guys, it's me, Millie. And me, Miss Garnison Tayu. Welcome to Made Known Podcast, where we discuss important news, entertainment, and topical issues that we feel should be made known. So, Millie, how has your week been? It's been really good, thanks. Yeah. I'd say a highlight of the week for me so far has been going to Jeremy Vine, yeah. watching a live recording at ITN Studios. Um, and I particularly enjoyed it because I was put next to Storm and she asked me a question which will have gone live out to the nation on TV. And what did she ask you? She said, um, did I think that like national parks and stuff should have less cars? And I said, although I agree less cars, I think there needs to be better options because public transport is too expensive for families to be able to go and enjoy. Which I totally agree with. What have you enjoyed about this week? So this week we also went to Google and Spotify, mm-hmm. and I think... What did you prefer of the two of them, do you think? Ooh, probably Spotify. Oh, interesting. To be honest, I, w- I was thinking it would be more like music-based, which yeah. is so like typical. But, but like, actually they're I'm, just such a platform, aren't they? Right. There's like, they have the ad solutions, but then they also have the artists and label services, so I was like... Okay, that's what I thought they would focus more on, but actually it was like a bit of both, which was yeah. really interesting and how it works together, like their ads and also how they work with artists and promoting mm. their music. I think it always just reminds me that it's like first and foremost a business right. that wants to make money right. and that music is a service that, like an entertainment service like any other yeah. that creates money. Yeah, which um, is so similar to... Um, ITN as well in terms of like Channel 5 I remember the director we met today was kind of like Channel 5 just because they're a commercial TV company yeah like, they've got to hit the ad breaks yeah exactly money is the main thing so yeah. they have to make sure they're always on point with the time mm. which is I didn't realise until like the course that we're doing now so it's yeah. really good to understand before we it's like it's kind of a shame but literally it's so true that money drives like all of these industries it drives the content that we see it's like what sells what do the public want to see yeah um what do the people who invest want the public to see exactly it's all about money which is sad really sad but we're getting the content too yeah it's like it's a good balance of like yeah business also great content content Yeah. yeah Also, what I saw this week for the first time, which has very much got me in the Christmas mood, is John Lewis have released their 2019 Christmas ad. I always get excited for this. Which is really cute. Yeah. Tell people who haven't heard about what the Christmas ad for John Lewis is this year. So basically the storyline is they have this clumsy dragon who like loves Christmas and his name's Edgar. And he basically is like ruining Christmas for everyone, like the decorations and other... Just because he's know. setting everything on fire. Yeah, bless him, because he didn't know how to use his fire. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the advert, sorry, spoilers if you haven't seen it, uh, <laughs> um, basically he he starts to learn how to use it in the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets a gift from his best friend in the, in the show, which is a young girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he his little nostrils, like a little flame of candles come out. It's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> his eyes are like so big and cute as well bless him it was a dragon and then the final bit was the christmas pudding getting lit on fire which was like by his nostrils show bit. Yeah. yeah what did you think of it as a christmas ad how'd you rate it in terms of like promoting 
John Lewis. Mm. I think it was terrible, in all honesty. Ooh. In terms of promoting Waitrose, it was great. Because it was like Christmas pudding, which is obviously a but massive even part that was a light ad, like advertisement, I think, for them. Because like the the tagline at the end is like show someone you care, and that's their kind of message. Yeah. But I'm not gonna lie, the first time that I watched it. I thought that it was the dragon showing the rest of the village that he cared by bringing them a pudding to the meal. But it's not. Obviously, it's her gifting him the pudding to show him that he's still included. But I don't think that's very explicit. And I think considering it's for a food company and then a general, like, items retailer, Mm -hmm. they only show, like, one of their products. So it's not not really doing its purpose. The only two bits is, like, the gift. And then the Christmas pudding. Yeah. And like in comparison, I know we've both seen the M&S right. um, retail ad, which, which is love. basically go jumpers about Christmas. Yeah. And it's such a like clever idea because yeah. it's so fun. It shows off, I think it's something like 150 jumpers that they're selling in store this year. Oh, wow. Obviously, everyone knows the Christmas jumper is a staple of Christmas. Yeah. And like, it's just M&S branding right there at the centre. And, but then it still kind of gives something about the, like, fun festivities. Right. Tell us about, like, the content of, like, what goes on in the ad as well. So, uh, the M&S ad, or the, the retail ad anyway, is um, put to the song Jump Around. And it's like, jump, jump, jump around. <laughs> <laughs> kind of an annoying song, I can imagine, on loop. Yeah. But, like, good for a, a play. Um, and it's like all the jumpers basically have this kind of personality and character of their own and so anyone who's wearing them suddenly starts dancing and everyone by the end is doing a flash mob together yeah and it's just quite funny I like it like it's really fun I love Mm. that I love the like jumper focus as well because no one's done that weirdly Mm. enough so it's like it was really smart I like what Marks and Spencer's did with the ad um, and there's definitely one or two jumpers in there that I saw and I was like, oh, nice jumper. Yeah. So I would definitely keep it that. Exactly. It was very like product focused, mm-hmm. which I feel like John Lewis, their ad kind of lacked. Did not achieve. Yeah. yeah. It's like you don't even see the gift that the girl gives the dragon. Did you notice? The gift is the pudding. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, Muscana. The gift is the pudding. Yes. That's what I'm saying. So she gives him it's the pudding. Like she's given him a gift that will help him like learn how to use his fire no. correctly. She gives him the pudding and so he's able to come to the party and set it's it on fire and be part of it with everyone else. And that's why it's showing someone you care because you're still inviting them even when they feel like they've been left out. But it's not clear. That's really not clear. I don't know. I'm kind of disappointed because I feel like John Lewis have done better adverts in the past. Like I get excited for the John Lewis mm. adverts, so it's it's. They're always good stories, sense. but yeah. maybe not so much. It definitely got my emotions high. Yeah, I'll give them that. And to be fair, you talk like we talk about it. Yeah. Even if it's not about the product, we're still talking about the company. So ultimately, but I'm not going to find myself going to John Lewis after that ad. No, that's true. So sorry. I think we should probably move on. Yes. Right, let's go on to the news. Alright, so going into the news, Millie, tell me about global data. 
Yeah, so this week um, I was hearing about how Global Data have done this big survey of shoppers um, and retail stores and the kind of buys getting into Christmas, okay. moving on from the uh, John Lewis ad. And it's actually really bad news for retailers because most people haven't really got into buying lots of stuff for Christmas, like lots of Christmas presents so far. Um, the data's actually found that people are spending more money on experiences mm. than on stuff, on presents and things. Okay. Uh, which I think is quite interesting, really. Like, not good news for retailers, but perhaps quite indicative of our generation and our spending habits more broadly. Yeah. What do you think? I feel sorry for retailers because you have you have the issue of like online shopping as well, mm-hmm. and now you have the issue of like experiences mm-hmm. versus actually buying gifts, which mm-hmm. is like it is a gift as in buying presents. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah. do you prefer getting gifts at Christmas and birthday, or would you or giving gifts, mm-hmm. or do you prefer experiences and like sharing memories with friends and stuff? I think experiences because you share that with your family and friends, and it's like that's a memory that you get to keep forever. Mm. And then you can have like pictures or videos to remember that as well. But like in terms of gifts on Christmas, I feel like it's just boring now. Not boring, but as in like, we've we've done the sock thing. We've done, do you know what I mean? Like we've done the, what do you want for Christmas? And it's like, usually your family will just get you something you need. Yeah. Because like, it's like, I'm not going to get you something that I think you want. Mm. And the reality mm. is, that's a whole conversation of like issue of presence, <laughs> but like, do you know what I mean? Like, it, I feel like people are just kind of over it now. So yeah, and I think what you said about um, like sharing it on social media and stuff like that, I think that's such a big thing now because everyone's on social media. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves to show the Instagram, share memories with like family and friends and things like that. And I think actually the reality of it is. Yes, it's not that we don't buy stuff anymore and we don't buy what we need, but I think consumers are thinking, well, if I need it, I'm going to buy it anyway. I don't need to wait for someone else to buy it for me. I would rather they spend money on, like, investing in our relationship and spending time together. And I think, actually, that kind of does reflect some statistics um, that I found linked to this case, which said that um, for the millennial generation, so this is people who are from the age of... I think it's 1996, baby, so 23 to 33. Um, That's like the millennial generation, yeah. Um, So they said that basically 86% of millennials um, choose new cultural experiences, whereas only 44% choose to spend money on partying, that's the word they used, and 28% spent their money on shopping. So I think that just shows how many people actually want to, like, use their money to spend things like spend money and time on things that are like expanding their horizons Mm. and giving them like memories educating them all of these different things um and equally there was another statistic that said that um apparently millennials go traveling the most out of all of the different generations and um, 72% of millennials wanted to spend their money on travel experiences rather than on physical possessions. So again, wow. just all of these statistics showing that actually we are a generation now that are like more interested in doing and seeing and going places than we are in actually kind of 
buying things that just are going to sit and that right. we're going to use. I think right. people just see stuff as quite um, disposable. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting because obviously, like, you, I think as well, in terms of like buying clothes and stuff, mm-hmm. you can just buy it in the January sales. Like, you're not going to get yeah. it as a gift kind of thing. So you just leave. That already is not a gift. Everyone's thinking ahead for, like, right. Boxing Day sales. Right. And also, obviously, Black Friday is the big sale as well for the pre-Christmas present buying. Yeah. So I think a lot of people are just like, why would I buy gifts now mm-hmm. when I can wait and get it cheaper? Yeah, it's an interesting topic. Anyway, what else do we have in the news? So we also have um, the Venice floodings. So basically in Venice right now, there are floodings going on. And two people actually died due to the floods, as the city's been flooded by the highest level in 50 years. Um, and basically the mayor of Venice, Luigi Borgogno, Bur- Bur- Luigi Borgogno, <laughs> that is a mouthful, <laughs> has blamed um, climate change for this. So... But I thought that Venice floods like every year. So why is this story particularly bad or shocking this year? I think it's because the levels have, it's so saying that it's increased the highest in 50 years. So this is obviously worse than it has been Mm -hmm. in recent years. So Mm -hmm. obviously, yeah. And is it to do with climate change and like environmental changes or is it tourism? What's the cause behind this flooding? So the mayor of Venice is saying that he's blaming climate change, but there's no like specific evidence to prove that. Mm -hmm. So the reason behind the floodings right now is kind of in the air between tourism and also climate change, Mm -hmm. which ultimately kind of like aligns in terms of like, ultimately it's our fault, Mm -hmm. (laughs) whether it's tourism or climate change. Yeah, it's still humans. Human traffic. Right, it's our fault. Um, So yeah. The reason right now is it's unclear. And what do you think would be, like, a possible solution for them to do? Like, do you think that we should just cut the numbers of tourists? Or are there, like, environmental solutions? I mean, they're only really going to be temporary, aren't they? Because Venice has always been a city that has struggled with flooding. Right. So I feel like there was some some sort of stat that said, um, like how many years it's going to be before the whole thing's underwater basically but how do we hold that off so the government is basically saying that they're going to accelerate um the structural defenses around the lagoon city to make sure that floods are kind of i guess the chances decreased again okay so that's kind of like the thames barrier but right 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 events so, but it's interesting that they don't even have that and it's only now mm. that they're deciding to do that. So it's kind of like the question of, do you think it's too late? Like, that they're making this decision mm. now. Well, I feel like it's important. It's such a beautiful city and it's a site of such culture. Yeah. Like, there's um, really incre- incredible um, Murano glass, mm. which comes from one of the little areas okay. um, in and around Venice. And that's quite, like, world-renowned um, for, like, kind of pottery and jewellery and stuff like that. Um, so I think just even from a sense of, like, the culture and the businesses and the people that have lived there for so many years it's really important to save what we can of the city. Yeah. But I guess if we're just saving the city in order for more tourists to be able to come, then that in itself brings up another issue. Because as you said, like, 
this city wasn't made for tourists and like humans are the problem whichever way you look at it so how do we kind of stop them being Mm. an issue Mm. and I think it's affecting the locals as well because I know there's a start of like the basically the local residents have decreased in number Mm. and the tourism levels have increased so it's like people are no longer living in in Venice Venice as much now Mm. as they were like 50 or so years ago Mm. and then now tourism is increasing so we have that issue of like people just don't want to live there and yeah. local the local economy is being affected yeah but then they're also benefit so they're benefiting from mm. tourism so it's like it's such a vicious cycle isn't it you get that in so many cities yeah. i think yeah because it becomes so expensive to be able to rent property there mm-hmm. because they know how much money you can make from the footfall right. and so although some people and their businesses benefit from tourism yeah. the actual like real life of the Italians who used to live there has been totally wiped out and I think it's also interesting to um, link this sort of big flooding with obviously all of the huge floods that have been happening in Yorkshire Mm. over the last week and that's now been declared a national crisis Um, and again like there's been no connected like explicit connected link that it's climate change but this has been a really unusually wet winter, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. So in Australia right now, we have the wildfires that are going on in Queensland and also New South Wales as well. So 150 homes have been destroyed. And the people of Australia, obviously, they're concerned, but mainly because um, the wildfires have happened earlier than they would usually happen in the year. Um, and the average temperature has gone up by one degree Celsius. So there's potential controversy around whether this is also linked to climate change or not. But then some people have said that the wildfires happen every year, it's very natural, it's a hot country, Mm -hmm. it's a dry country, this sort of thing happens all the time. So, like, do you think we should be concerned? I mean, it's... It's difficult because we had the recent ones in California as well. So we should be concerned in terms of wildlife, also the homes of people, the lives of people. Mm. Um, In that sense, yeah, we should be concerned. Mm. And I think also with all of these stories we're talking about today, it's like, yes, Venice might flood. Yes, Australia might get wildfires. Mm. But, and like, yes, England is rainy. But when we're seeing these things happening more and more, they're happening in more extreme ways and they seem to be affecting more like people's lives I think for me everything does point to climate change and I'm not saying it's the only factor but I think it's definitely a huge warning sign that we do really need to start thinking about like how we can start making changes to make Mm -hmm. sure these weather extremes don't continue to get more extreme which is what they will do and actually that we curb it now and make sure that nothing gets worse than it already is okay so what like what measures do you think should be taken then like more focus on wildfires because obviously climate change is a whole like great i was gonna say that's a huge question in terms of what the wildfires what measures should be taken um i mean i i think it is like a difficult question and a big question um i mean you know how do you stop a country increasing its like average temperature i don't really know 
But one thing I do know is that um, when they had the Paris Climate Summit, um, there was a lot of countries that signed up and pledged to reduce their CO2 emissions. Mm-hmm. And that was um, kind of big steps that were made um, to try and make sure that we're helping to reduce warming in lots of different ways. And there has been a UN report recently that said that Australia is failing and falling short in its efforts to cut its CO2 emissions. So I don't know what that looks like for Australia, but I think there's hopefully the kind of silver lining to this really tragic story is that it will put greater pressure on the Australian government Mm. um, and an Australian environmental agency Mm. to actually take more drastic measures um, to reduce CO2 and to try and make their country a little bit more green um, in how it uses energy um, and, yeah, what it does to kind of protect the the planet and climate. Yeah, that's good. Because it's like, it not only benefits the wildfires, but also generally in Australia, it will better the environment as well. Yeah, so this week I wanted to talk about a Channel 4 show that's been on TV recently called Smuggled. I don't know if you've heard of it, um, but basically I think it's super controversial because um, there's only actually been two episodes in the series. I don't know if they've cut it down, but they showed... Well, essentially, I should probably say what it is... So Smuggled is kind of similar to the programme Hunted, mm-hmm. where the people are trying to, like, you know, go through the country without being got on CCTV. Yeah. But Smuggled is the same thing, but they go over to Europe, like British people, yeah. and then they basically have to smuggle themselves back into the UK in whatever means well, they can. Like illegally. Yeah. So, like, they basically pretend to be migrants trying to get into the UK. Interesting. Do they like do research on how they can get in, like back into the country, or is it just like? I mean, they might have done some research before they go, but yeah. essentially, it's like, you know, you can kayak across the channel, or you can hide yourself in a barrel of something, or you can try and get a place in someone's car. But like, you've just got to get back over however you can without getting detected. And do they have a budget, or is like, is it just like? No, I think you just, like... It's, it's kind of similar to The Hunted. It's just each their own. You've wow. just got to try and do it. And the first, in the first episode, there was four people who had to try and smuggle themselves back in and everyone got through, which I feel like is a bit dodgy when you then think about that being them getting past British border control. Mm-hmm. It's kind of concerning that, like, migrants can get into the country easily, which is, to some extent, a good thing because I know the border, not the borders are harsh, but it's hard to basically get into this country legally. But surely (laughs) people should be getting in legally? Yes, but it's hard to do so. Yeah, so I feel like the fact that they've literally got a programme that's like, this is how easy it is to get past British border control is not great. (laughs) It's kind of encouraging. Exactly. Migrants to continue doing this, but... Yeah, it's it's dodgy. Very dodgy. It's the fact that Channel 4 are like almost in a way promoting it 
Mm. That's what makes it a bit weird. It's like, what are you trying to say? Yeah. It also, when I saw this, like, as a show idea, I just thought, oh my gosh, what have, like, TV producers stooped to like you can imagine them all sitting in a room like right let's think about ideas what's big at the moment oh the migrant like migrant issue okay let's create a pro- mm. program where people have to mm. snuggle themselves in it's like that it's is a little bit insensitive as well because obviously migrants will leave their countries with purpose is either because like there's a war going on in their country or like mm. they can't find a, a job that gets them enough money to pay for their family their mm. family's needs and like essentials so they'll come to european countries obviously mm. to, to get that mm. so it's like in a way it's insensitive to oh, be like completely right and i thought like the basically the reason i wanted to talk about this story specifically this week is because the bigger controversy around the program i think is the fact that they even let it air like when you think about the story that we were just talking Ooh, about timing, like yeah. last week or so right. of the 39 vietnamese migrants that all died in that freezer container thing yeah. like that just shows exactly what you were saying people spend a lot of money to get to the uk they don't do it lightly like it's it's a big commitment it's a desperate plea for trying to make a better life for themselves and after something that was so tragic and also so it's you know such a big like police political security Mm -hmm. issue at the moment Mm -hmm. to then the literally the week after have another episode that's then making fun of almost and making light of this issue Mm -hmm. i just i don't know i just thought it was very insensitive of channel four um i'm I'm confused as to whether, like, the producers thought about that. As in, like, obviously they have to air it either way, but as in, like... But do they Before they even... Even in the making of the show, like, let's put aside the story of the Vietnamese um, migrants, but, like, just the insensitive side, did Mm. they even consider that? Mm. Then also, as well, I can understand there's a schedule, so it had to come on the week. Was it after or during? But I think they can axe it. I think if the show was, if like the first show had been that bad, like had a backlash, then I don't think they would share the second one, which is because mm. I genuinely thought they had axed it. And then I saw it on the TV guide the other day and I was like, oh my gosh. It's back. <laughs> it's back. <laughs> I don't know. It'll be interesting. Maybe like after the first season, mm. they'll axe it. I think maybe that will be the Well, case. it did say this the last week, it said it was show two of two. And I'm sure and that they it. would have done at least four episodes for that oh. sort of program so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that yeah yeah basically basically decided um what else do we have in entertainment news this week Muscana? so we also have hillary clinton and also her daughter chelsea clinton who basically brought out a book together and their book is called the gut the book of gutsy women so in the book it talks about women across the globe um in present day and also historically it features essays from a hundred inspiring women, such as Malia and also Edith Windsor, who is an American LGBT activist. Um, but also, yeah, it's, it basically talks about issues of inequality and injustice in society. So, yeah, have you, what have you heard about the, the book? Yeah, so I haven't read it yet, but it really caught my eye because I love anything that sort of cools powerful gutsy women Mm. out and um yeah just celebrates them for um kind of standing up for what they believe in and making a bit of a difference and i think this is particularly powerful because 
obviously Hillary Clinton herself is, I mean, you cannot deny she is a gutsy woman. Oh, definitely. Um, she's stood in many positions of like power and responsibility in society and yeah. still continues to be very activist for um, feminist issues and also for general issues of inequality. Um, what I found it a really interesting um, take on what they decided was like relevant to call out in women in terms of it's not just like oh these are like I don't know women on the front line but I found the word gutsy really interesting so the fact that it's like you know gutsy being someone who's a bit like groundbreaking they're Mm -hmm. challenging the norm they're having to be as you said courageous and very brave in the way they act doing something out of the ordinary like not 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 necessarily typical but just unexpected kind of thing Mm. which i i really like that the use of that word Mm. um it's yeah it's inspiring i like that i Mm. like that um i like as well so that she basically supported Meghan markle as well um in the light of like the the recent issues of the media um quote unquote like racist and sexist treatment Mm -hmm. from the media um and like how she said she went to give Meghan markle a hug which i thought was just so sweet just like that that woman to woman like just care and love like camaraderie yeah yeah yeah. so i I really respected that um is megan markle one of her gutsy women do you know i'm actually not sure i know that um malia and edith windsor are part of it but i'm sure i'm sure she has megan markle in there somewhere surely Mm. surely i mean she is quite a gutsy woman in her way and i think like i mean the mega markle debate is something we should not get into today no. but like there's so many different things around why megan's had a lot of like backlash yeah and i think certainly her race is a big issue and i know that clinton um said that in her interviews that she felt it was definitely a racist attack from the media right. but equally i think actually the fact that she's come in as a gutsy woman and been like, look, I've already got a name for myself. I already believe in equality and I, you know, stand up for feminism mm. and um, all of these Climate different big causes. Well. Like she's, she's supported Greta Thunberg as well, I've seen. Yeah, she's a big activist, yeah. but she's gone in to what's a very age-old British establishment that mm. hasn't had much, you know, shaken up in it since probably Diana, really. True. And that didn't go down well. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's also contributed to the press attacking her because it's like, hang on a minute, who is this gutsy lady who's coming in here and not just going to you know shut up and look pretty basically and i think it's so nice to see um yeah women just being able to stand up and actually assert themselves in society but then equally really sad to see the backlash of that and Mm -hmm. how they can be so attacked for it in a way that perhaps men aren't true i think it yeah i like i don't necessarily agree with hillary clinton uh, as in like what she's been known for in the past However, in terms of, like, the fact she's a a prime example of a gutsy woman, Mm. like, she's very inspiring in that, in that aspect of who she is. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I think just for for women in general, it's nice to see someone like that and to look onto as an example of, like, what boldness looks like and that we as women can actually be in positions of power in Mm. government, in, like, in industries that we want to get into. Like, we, we don't have to go with 
what we're I guess expected to do but rather like go with our dreams like what do we want to do like, I, if you want to be the president go do it you can do it it's possible mm. like unfortunately I guess you didn't get there but as in like to have that dream in itself and that drive right and that goal it's inspiring yeah. it's so inspiring just to see women like that yeah and women who aren't restricted by uh, the kind of stereotype that's maybe boxed around women traditionally in the past yeah. they're trying to break that and step out of it and like right. remould reshape what it is to be a woman right and I think that brings us really nicely onto what we wanted to talk about as our big topic this week because yeah. I think both of us decided that it's um a big issue in society we feel is um people perhaps lacking a sense of boldness yeah. and the feeling that they um they have the power to to do things and to affect change um and this is actually a point that Clinton in one of her interviews picked up on okay. in that she said um that she feels actually one of the things in helping to inspire women and promote this kind of new movement of gutsy, courageous women is for actually um, the perspectives around what women are considered um, to be and like what's considered possible for them to be um, in leadership and in society. Those kind of confines and stereotypes need to to shift in both Mm. men and women. And I think she says that kind of traditionally women have been, I, I guess, boxed into a certain category or, you know, to be a leader, you've got to have masculine qualities. Yeah. And she's basically saying, actually, no, these women show that they are they are proud to be women and they're proud to be, um, you know, feminine, like females. And they can also be really bold and yeah. really um, courageous. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think that people are bold enough? Do you think women specifically are as bold as they could be? I think we're like we're in an age now where like women are becoming more bold. Mm. I think with feminism as well, it's like it's as we're like knitting together as women and and we're working together and building one one another up mm. in like going towards our dreams and like what we want to do. And actually, you can just be a woman and be successful. You mm. can just be a woman and not have masculine qualities mm. and be bold. Mm. Like, it's 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 not a bad thing. As in, like... I see women such as Amal Clooney and Angelina Jolie and Emma Watson. I think they're, for me, all examples of women who are... Bold. Bold. Successful. Successful, intelligent, mm. incredible women in their own right. Mm. And also very like womanly yeah and i love that yeah you can be feminine and bold like that i think that's that's basically what i wanted to say like just we're in the age now where that is being more welcomed Mm. like when we're going away from the whole like women need to be at home and be housewives and stay in the kitchen and that kind of like stereotype of what a woman should should aspire to and be is shifting like we're in a place of now it's like actually the there is no breadwinner as in like that the man in off the house is not the the breadwinner it's a balance of like mm. we're both working mm. but we're also both looking after the kids mm. or like for age obviously we're not in the stage of like <laughs> like you know <laughs> babies um just like we we can live to our dreams kind of thing mm. and we can live in boldness and and not be afraid mm. but i think just to slightly 
shift the kind of conversation and mm. perspective of this. What I actually find really sad about that is that I think while we have got this amazing shift towards women finding their boldness and their Ooh, courage. I know where you're going here, yeah. I feel like generally as society, I think we've lost our sense of boldness mm-hmm. because I think that although women are like, yeah, you know, I'm going to be me and I'm my own boss and I'm going to do this and that and whatever, and that's great, they're standing up for themselves. Mm-hmm. I see like this new kind of wave in society of people being a bit disenchanted by like the stories they hear in the media. So for example, I mean, two things that are close to my heart, um, like climate change and like the environment as an issue, and then also issues of homelessness um, across the UK. And I think when you look at those issues really broadly, they seem so big and we as an individual seem so small. And I think actually, while people individually are growing in boldness for themselves and their own lives and their own dreams, I think our vision as society and like how we can kind of work together to solve these issues has slightly decreased a little bit. And I think in terms of climate change, though, when you say that individuals are working together as a unit boldly and especially women, like I feel like the 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 climate activists that are most well known in Europe, especially, I know like with Sweden, Belgium, um, here even like, mm. I can't remember what documentary I was watching, I think it was on like Vice. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen it, it was basically one on like Greta Thunberg and also like the climate um, activists around Europe who mm-hmm. are at the top, mm-hmm. who are majority women. Mm-hmm. And like, they're bold. So like, what, I don't know, in terms of climate change, I f- I'd feel like, maybe when we work when they work together they are bold but as individuals possibly there is less boldness yeah and i think i mean more in like a grassroots level in terms of i guess with extinction rebellion and stuff that's been um that's shown a whole lot of people wanting to um work together to try and make change but i think I definitely heard of like some people who've kind of said, oh, well, you know, this is such a big issue. I don't even know where to begin. Like, Mm. is it even like, is my recycling even going to make that much of a difference? Mm. And I think sometimes when people think of themselves as such a tiny ant within the massive army, it's like you can see celebrities, you can see figures with authority speaking out. And it's like, okay, good for them. They've got influence. But I, the like tiny ant here, don't have any influence. And so people tend to not do anything because they don't think that what they're doing is making a difference, which I don't personally agree with. I think actually we are all called to be bold and we all have potential for boldness in our lives in whatever we do. You don't have to wait for someone else to move in that area. For you to be able to step into what they're doing. I think all of us can step out not necessarily knowing the answers mm. or not necessarily knowing the the ultimate goal that we're going mm. for but we we can all make little steps along the way right like trusting that we are contributing towards a greater good yeah i think it's like the fear as well of like just thinking you're not gonna make an impact if you're mm. doing if you're you're just doing it mm. it's like actually what impact am i making mm. like well, what's the point kind of thing mm. if it's just me who's doing it mm. but with a great issue like climate change is actually more people are more are involved and more like aware about what's going on and what needs to be changed and what changes you can make as an indiv- individual and how that impacts um 
the environment mm. so like with that i think we have a thing where like there are there are individuals making an impact mm. but with other areas it's it's different because i know even like that if you wanted to make a even like a company for example and you had a greater vision for like a whole industry but you're the only one that has it it's mm. kind of like you just you're scared to even begin because yeah, just like you said so you don't know where to start it's like you're one person mm. so like it's it's hard it's hard to step in boldness in all honesty like when you don't have the resources mm. like where how, where do you look to kind of thing like you can't just get it out of the net like you need but contacts, equally if we're not stepping like, out in any way right then we're not going to make any progress right. forward and like i don't know i think that's something that um from what you were saying going back to clinton's book mm. Um, or the Clinton's book um, like one thing they said was that the women they've chosen are people who not only were gutsy in affecting their own lives mm. but actually did things that had broader impacts and benefits for loads of people Right. and I think you know in my mind um, I've just been thinking about Rosa Parks and how she did the um, bus yeah. like boycott refused yeah. to sit at the back Um when that was obviously a massive movement kind of led by Martin Luther King mm. back in the 60s. And I think that's another prime example of a really bold woman who she saw the greater issue, which was the issue of racial inequality, particularly in America, but yeah. worldwide at yeah. the time. That in itself is something that you think, oh my gosh, how can I, one individual, what can I do? But instead of thinking, oh, I'm just a woman, I'm just, you know a black working class person I can't do anything she, she was like actually I up in, in my community can make a change yeah. and I can I'm not gonna just stand for this right. and I think that is what I would love to see more of in people's yeah lives. no that's that's so true I'm just realizing now like actually when you your your active movement of boldness is actually a catalyst of a greater movement yeah if you deep it like mm. you you're one like bold move mm-hmm once people see that and they're like i agree with that mm. and like you're actively doing something you're not just saying it like by your mouth like i i disagree with this but actually you're not doing anything about it mm. physically like actively mm. um so it's like once you actually do that and other people see that it's like i'm gonna do that too yeah and now you're encouraging a lot of people you don't even go, know the seeds of impact well. that you're right, planting right. in different people's lives by right. what you do yeah boldness is 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 so 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 important um, not even just in the way that we, we speak and we articulate ourselves and present ourselves, which is important, but also just in how we like put our our words to our actions kind of thing. That's not the same, but as in, you know what I mean? Like just not talking about it alone. Oh, you've got to put something. your words into action for sure. And I think also like I'm a strong believer that we as as a society are working towards like a greater good mm. you know you want to leave the planet knowing that like you've changed something or you've done some affected something for the better yeah if you think about it in that positive way then you can see that like everything we're doing is constantly like for the greater good yeah. it's like growing positive change yeah. in society yeah life is literally what you make it mm. like if you if you don't do anything you can't expect things to happen kind of thing mm. it's like if you have that a dream or if you have something that you want to change or something in society that you 
you don't like and you know a lot of people don't agree with as well it's like that's up to you yeah like don't out, wait do for it. someone else talk to, do to it. people yeah get moving make, make the a... change you want to see kind yeah. of thing like don't just sit around and watch mm. and like with that a um a quote that I found from Mother Teresa, which I really liked and I thought was actually quite like challenging in a way, was um, really simple. She just said, if you cannot feed 100 people, feed one. Mm, that's so good. And I thought that was so good because it's just, again, that idea of, look, you might not be able to solve climate change. You might not be able to sol- solve homelessness or whatever else is on your heart, but you can start somewhere. You mm-hmm. can do something. And that thing is not lost. That's yeah. still such a success such a victory in its yeah. own right and and so I think not my my word of encouragement that I would want to like leave today with yeah. is that no one should be dissuaded or put off by feeling like what they're doing is too little yeah. or is insignificant because yeah. actually it's everything is is a success like on the scale and I think our success it, is seen by our work as well yeah Cause like you, so like for example, if I, well, if you were that one person that I fed, for example, based on this quote, it's like you are gonna act based on my act of kindness. You are now gonna remember that and do the same thing. Mm. So it's like this movement of like just love and kindness, or like whatever it is that obviously it's different for everyone and and our convictions. But yeah, <laughs> so be kind. Um, be bold that's the big message be courageous whether yeah. you're a woman or a man yeah and just and stand to your dreams um, yeah start making actions and changes I want to challenge everyone who listens to this mm. to think today what is one thing that I've been saying I'll do yeah. for the last month and I haven't done yet yeah. and I challenge you all this week to go out and do something that you haven't done before yeah. whether that's I'm going to go for a run or I always said that I would give some money to charity and I Mm. never did like whatever it is big or small yeah just do that thing that you have been holding off doing no matter how uncomfortable it is just do it well have a good rest of your week guys go and be bold and courageous yes and we'll see you next week bye bye